0: We have got a great show today. We are going to be uh, live as live can get here. We have got the fantastic Don Mazzella with us today, as always. And uh, your man, my man, and everybody's favorite, IQ Al Rizzoli. (laughs) uh, The the guest today is very, very interesting. He is an award-winning, best-selling author of military action novels. He offers a hero to fight human trafficking in a brand-new international thriller. It is called The Living Legend, a last enemy prequel. And Dan Hendrickson joins us today here on our big broadcast. Dan, welcome to the program. How are you, sir?
2: I'm wonderful. Thank you, James. It's great to be here.
0: So, tell me and the guys a little bit about your incredible book here, and then I know Don and IQ and myself will have some questions for you.
2: Okay. Well, uh, The Living Legend, like you said, it's a prequel to my last enemy series, and the principal character is a man by the name of Tommy, Tommy Williams. And he, in my original three books, was a captain in the uh, United States Navy and a SEAL commander. And uh, he had this label on him where uh, people in the military called him the living legend, and he didn't like it at all. And throughout those three books, I never really explained why. So this book explains it. Um, this book is about him and a woman over in um, Kenya, Africa, and she is fighting modern-day slave trading and human trafficking, and uh, she is the great grand a hero that uh, used to fight and track slave trading back okay. in the day, uh, 100 years ago. And uh, she gets in trouble, and she gets kidnapped. And Tommy, who is a, uh, now a uh, lieutenant, because this is all takes place back in 1979, 1978, during the Iran Contra, uh, the Iran uh, crisis with the uh, embassy, and uh, he gets involved in having to rescue them. And he has to use the persona of her ancestor to do so, and without giving too many spoilers away, that's exactly how he gets involved with uh, rescuing and 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 taking on human trafficking in the African continent.
0: Fantastic. So, Don, uh, I'll let you start us off here. What 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 are some of your questions for? Well, first thing, I
1: read uh, one of your uh, of your three books and enjoyed it immensely. So, thank you. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, I I guess, um, always my my first question is, who's the audience for historical fiction like
2: this, in your view? My view, um, for this particular one, it's uh, people who like action, adventure, military, um, you know, young adults. But really, because it's historical fiction and it's a kind of historical fiction that some of us actually grew up in and around, uh, like I did, 1970s, uh, who can remember some of the stuff that were going on. It could be, you know, for people our age, too. And, uh, you know, I try to write uh, so that I can get grab people from all kinds of different genres. I put a little romance in my writing. I didn't put a whole lot of romance in this book, but I, I have in some of my others. Um, the action adventure is something I really try to you know, to focus on, and especially with the uh, the fight scenes and stuff. I do have a pretty extensive martial arts background, and I try to put a lot of that into my books. And, uh, you know, fight scenes and different uh, conflicts and stuff and show them skills that I've learned over the years. I try to put that in there. So, yeah, I guess really uh, it's a pretty well-rounded audience that I'm trying to target. Do you
1: think that uh, women... Uh, are attracted to historical military fiction as men?
2: I have gotten a lot of good reviews from women. And one of the things that I try to do is I try to show a very strong female protagonist in every one of my books. Um, In The Living Legend, you have two. You have uh, McKenna Ali, who's the great-granddaughter of the Freedom Fighter. And then you also have um, captain Eloy, who is a captain in the um, uh, Kenyan security force. And they're both very, very strong, upfront, leadership-type women. And uh, so I think that in my books, I do get a lot more um, attraction to the female audience because I do put female protagonists right out there in front as heroes and as, as you know main characters. Uh,
1: do you think people want to read fiction of what— that are positive of historical fiction, uh, proving that uh, um, things were better than they, than they appeared at the time? Or do you think that uh, uh, they're, they're just interested in uh, stepping back into those times?
2: Well, I think it might be a little bit of both and more. Um, I think that people like to look at historical fiction because they like to see where we came from and where we've come to. Um, in my book, The Living Legend, uh, I do deal a lot with the human trafficking, and I start out with the slave trade of the African continent back in, you know, the 19th century. But I do show that uh, that it has continued to go on, especially over in West Africa and into the, you know, the Eastern Asian lands. It even happens today where they go into, you know, lands like Kenya, and they do through— uh, like stealing these people from festivals and and and, and, and uh, trying to recruit young people into their workforces and then bring them into slavery over there and selling them into sex camps and stuff like that. And all this stuff is based on some research I did from an article called The Arab-Muslim Slave Trade of Africans, The Untold Story by Dr. Marcus Garvey, Jr. He was a native of Jamaica. He was of African descent. And he spent his entire life trying to prove to the rest of Western world that this still goes on, and especially on the West part of Africa like Kenya and those places where they take them across the Red Sea and then they take them into Muslim lands and they, they sell them like, just like they have been for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he spent his entire life trying to show this to people. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one of the backdrops of the, of the the crime of the story that I, I wrote in this book.
1: Uh, I have a lot of questions, but IQ, please jump in.
0: Yes, um, IQ, do you have any questions, sir?
3: You mentioned Islam and you mentioned Kenya. Mm-hmm. Well, my forte is Islam. Okay. And for 1400 years and continuing, Muslims have looked upon the black people as inferior human beings. To the extent that even today, in the Arabic language, they call a a black guy Kafir. Yeah. Kafir means infidel, but I mean, especially. The black people they call them not only kuffar, abid. In the Arabic language, abid means slave. Abid means slaves, plural. I had an article or several articles about Islam and slavery. One hundred and forty million Africans perished. That fourteen million of them were sold to the Americas and
2: to the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Have you researched this? I mean. It wasn't a part of your research. Yes, yes, I did research that, and I don't try to play up on the uh, the larger numbers that went to the Arab lands opposed to went to the to, to this part of the world because you know, in my opinion, uh, slave trade is a blight on all humanity. But I do, I am very aware of those figures, and I do feel like Dr. Marcus Carvey and his father. Um, Marcus Carvey spent their entire lives just trying to make the Western world aware that this is still going on, and that it is very, very real and rampant in the African continent. And they they've changed their methods. They you know, like I said, they use recruitment into war camps and stuff like that, and they steal people and and uh, they they send them over secretly now, but they still want to you know, enslave them and use them for sex labor and stuff like that. And it's something that just needs to be known and needs to be put out there. And my uh, my book, The Living Legend, hits this pretty hardly and uh, goes after it pretty, pretty strongly with my characters, going after these uh, slave traders and defeating them and rescuing people and bringing them home and making do do it very publicly.
1: One more isn't it true that we only manage to rescue a relatively small number of the people that are enslaved?
2: Oh, goodness, yes, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, and uh, you know, the, like IQ was saying, a lot of them just, you know, they, they die off. I mean, they, it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing to think about. And, you know, but I think that's another good thing about historical fiction is giving people a positive view of, you know, being able to handle that problem. And that's what I tried to do in the living legend. All my, all my characters, you know, are of African descent. And they're the heroes that are that are rising up and taking care of the problems, and I think that's kind of inspirational. And you know, it's not just some uh, Caucasian person riding in there and trying to be the hero and save save them. They're doing it themselves, and so that's one of the things. That's also something I've gotten good reviews about with the book. Another question: Why is, why are Black um, Americans in America today?
3: Totally, the majority of them are totally ignorant of the black, the black slave with Islam. Even BLM, they accuse the white Christians for slavery, but that's not true. The slavers saved the black people because they needed them to do work. They didn't exterminate them. They didn't castrate them. The Muslims did. The Arabs did. Yet BLM. And all the leftists in America, blame white Christians, and they never ever mentioned Islam. Could you
2: explain that? I wish I could. Um obviously it's 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 a, a problem of you know, getting information out there. Um, and like I said before though, I mean, you know, slavery's been a blight and on on every land in, in the whole world, and I'm glad that it's it's, it is as exposed as it is today. I wish it was more exposed. But, uh, you know, it is a problem that we all have to deal with. I think America dealt with it pretty harshly. We had a war over it. And, uh, you know, the guys that didn't want it won. And a lot of people lost their lives over it when they did fight it. Um, I had family in that war, you know, ancestors. And it's just, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a harsh problem. It's a harsh reality um, to, to deal with. But uh, like I said, you know, this, this research is, is based on Dr. Marcus Covey Jr. and, and his, his passion to want to expose to the Western world exactly what you're talking about. And um, it's a great article. It's, like I said, it's called The Arab Muslim Slave Trade of the Africans, The Untold Story. And he's done a series of articles and he's got a lot of videos still on YouTube from that, he, he, you know, that were taped back in the 70s and the 80s. And he does a lot of, you know, some of the things I think you're talking about, IQ. He, he exposed those pretty um, passionately.
1: Hasn't he passed away? I, I thought he had passed away.
2: Yeah, he did. He he passed away, I think, uh, in the early 1980s.
1: Yes, I, I thought so. Um, when I was in Africa, uh, I I would talk with the uh, Italian missionaries, and they often bought slaves. Uh, and bought uh, slaves. Well, well, uh, if if a parishioner was stolen, they would go and buy the slave the parishioner back with Vatican money. Are you familiar with that?
2: Yeah, I've heard of that before, and bless their hearts for doing it. You know, anything that they can do to, to get people away from that kind of stuff.
1: But, uh, but, do you, but do you think the Catholic Church should have done more?
2: I think everybody should have done more. Um, you know, in, in, in research in the living legend, one thing I thought that I had to give a big thumbs up to and applaud to was the Queen of England back then, uh, Queen Victoria. Towards the end of her reign, she would send warships over to Africa to stop the slave traders. And she would she would have those warships, she would have those slave trading ships overtaken and boarded and bring those people right back to Africa. And she put up blockades. I mean, uh, my, my book that I wrote before, uh, The Living Legend is an award winning book called Brandy Ballad of a Pirate Princess. And this is a historical fiction from the Caribbean back in the 1830s. And I show a lot of this where, you know, the it really was the English that uh, started the abolitionist movement worldwide and it caught on the Americas. And uh, so there was a lot of people that were fighting for this freedom to take place. And it's been a long, hard fight for many, many years and it's still going on. And we just have to recognize that, you know, human trafficking is to me kind of a, a, a softened term to slave trade. And that's exactly what it is, it's slave trade. And I think that that's something that we just need to recognize and, 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 and just acknowledge that that's what it is. It's slave trading, whether it's with blacks or whites or anybody else. It's a, it's a blight. It's horrible and it shouldn't happen. And I think anybody that rises up and fights it ought to be applauded.
3: But the media in Europe and America ignore it completely. The media in Europe and America ignore it completely.
2: I don't know if they ignore it completely, but, yeah, I think they, they, they do focus a little bit more on how it happened in this country, uh, you know, and I, I think it's just because uh, it's just easier to, uh, to pick on us because we— well, for one thing, we didn't have such a big an attrition rate with our slavery. They, we allowed them to propagate and they developed cultures and they, they're all still with us. So they all have families that talked about it and stuff. Now you go over into the, the Muslim lands, the attrition rate was like close to 80, 90%. That means 80 to 90% of those people they took over there to be their slaves died off and they weren't allowed to propagate. They weren't allowed to develop cultures. They weren't allowed to, you know, uh, pass down what happened to them. There's no memory because the people are dead. Here you got a lot of memory. You got a lot of you know people that heard from their great grandfather, heard stories from their grandmother, and stuff like that. And so it it, it you know they, it's still a little bit more living. And really honestly, I think that's a good thing because people remember, then they don't let things like that happen again. Hopefully, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you couldn't tell that by what's happening in America today, but that's another story. Yeah. Um, um, uh, well, let's go into uh, more about the book. Um, where is the center of the, uh, um, let's call it the slave trade? And what's it? When you talk about a route, what are you talking about? How does the route go? Through Kenya or
2: Kenya or? Well, in my book, um- it happens right around the time, there's two big world events that are happening during during the time of my book. There is the, um, the Iranians taking over the American uh, embassy in Iran. And then you've got the, uh, the Russian uh, invasion of Iraq. And those all happen like just within, within a month of each other. And uh, so in my book, I have some uh, Iraqis, that uh, are—this is all fiction, but I I had some Iraqi military people that have aligned themselves with the Russians that are going to invade their country, and one of the things that they were doing to uh, get funds to uh, fund their revolution is they were uh, getting involved with the slave trade. Uh, and they were uh, going into, uh, especially Kenya, because that's where my book centers. And they were they were stealing people, like during big festivals, and and uh, you know stealing people off the streets and stuff, and then and and then uh, sliding them away to to the lands, the Muslim lands, and selling them as sex slaves by the most part, mostly girls. And uh, I did re- did do do some research with Kenya, and I saw that this happens a lot on the coast. It still does even today, 2022. Uh, that uh, people go disappearing all the time, especially young people, and they never hear or see from them again. And uh, but in that book, what I did is I had, you know, the uh, Tommy was sent. Tommy with his crew of uh, the Navy Seals were sent to uh, uh, first to Egypt, and then they were going on a tour around that area because the United States wanted them to find out some stuff on why the Iranians took our embassy. And when they did, when they were doing that tour, they they kind of bumped into these slave traders that, that uh, stole McKenna and her family in my book. And then he was, uh, through a bunch of circumstances, forced to rescue them. And uh, so that's where my book went with the whole thing. And in the end, it's, like, it's kind of neat the way I did it because uh, Tommy had to take on uh, McKenna's grandfather's method of, of, of fighting the Muslim stra- slave traders. So he dressed up like a Kenyan warrior, and uh, him and his uh, colleagues and this uh, Captain Eli that I mentioned earlier, they, they attack this caravan of people going through Saudi Arabia, and they take it out, and they rescue all the people, and, and that's how he gets labeled the living legend, because that's what they used to call this slave, um, this slave trade fighter. Taman Ali used to call him the legend. So the Kenyan people started calling him the living legend because he made Tamana Ali's uh, legend come alive.
1: Hmm. Sounds exciting.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed writing. I did.
1: Gigi, uh, you, you keep getting these um, people that I have to go out and buy the book.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I, uh, the question I wanted to ask you is— um, in the slave trade the trade is mostly black or um, African or do occasionally they, do they pick up um, Caucasians or uh, uh, other Arab uh, um, ethnic ethnic groups? I
2: don't, I don't know if, if, if it's just Africans today. I mean you know, like you know coming from the continent of Africa, sure. but we know that uh, human trafficking is a worldwide blight. I mean, it's happening all over the world. So, you know, you have you have plenty of going on here in the United States where poor people from all different uh, categories are being, you know, stolen and, and, and spirited away secretly. You got, you know, you got uh, alerts going on the radio and stuff, you know, what they call them, Ambler alerts and stuff like that, where a lot of times it's some, you know, it's, it's it's one parent stealing a kid from another parent, but sometimes it's just this human trafficking thing. And... Uh, So I don't know if it's really. um, I I don't think they distinguish anymore. I think they're just going to get whoever they can. You know, uh, it's young girls that they can sell, and they don't really care what color they are. They just they just want to get them now. Over in Africa, you know, they're going to they're going to go after the, you know, the the Africans, and it's and it's a little bit easier pickings over there because of the. you know, they don't have the protection that we have. They don't have the law enforcement we have. They don't have the, uh, you know, the, the kind of uh, protection that we have available to here today in our country.
1: Do you, do you, your character is, almost sounds Rambo-like. Isn't American today um, willing to accept a Rambo-type of hero? I
2: think they'll always accept a Rambo-type hero. I mean, you know, anybody <laughs> that uh, knows how to fight and fight for the right cause in the right way, and, uh, you know, my, 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 uh, my guy, Tommy, um, he's a, he was really an intellectual. He, uh, he was an Afri- African-American son of a, uh, an ambassador to Japan. And his dad was a JAG lawyer, a advocate lawyer. And uh, he went to the State Department and then he became a, an ambassador. And Tommy wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps. And he, he graduated second in his class in uh, Annapolis. And he was going to go to law school, and they were going to send him to an Ivy League law school on the Navy's dime. And then his dad gets assassinated right in front of him. And after that, he changes his mind. He wants to go, and he wants to, he wants to get revenge for his father. Uh, but he gets stopped, and the guy that killed his dad was a professional assassin from Russia. And, and he meets up with a, a Marine Corps Force Recon guy who's uh, Special Forces, and he says, look, kid, you don't, you don't have the skills to go after a guy like this. There's just no way you can do it. So therefore, you know, you'd have to go get that kind of training. And, and, and Tommy says, "Well, the only place I can go is the SEALs, right?" And he goes, "Yeah." And this is like 1974-75 when the SEALs is fairly young, and it's not very popular in the Navy back then. It's not like it is today. Uh, back then, you know, if you chose the path of a SEAL in the Navy, you were chosen. You were choosing a path where you where you uh, rose up in rank a lot slower. People didn't know what you were doing. You couldn't even you know tell your family or anything that you were in this Special Forces outfit and it just wasn't that popular. So Tommy chose that path, went into the SEAL training just so he gained the skills to go after this guy. So and I think everybody can connect with that and identify with that. It's exciting and you want to see it happen. you want to see how he's going to, how he's going to go after and, 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 and you know get the, the justice that he wants without uh, going over to the dark side and and really getting crazy with vengeance, Mm -hmm. which I try to show in the book. You know, he comes to a point in the book where he has to make a decision. Do I just want just pure vengeance or do I want justice? And then he'll have to read the book to find out what he did.
1: Hmm. But but there's a a point in this society today where you can't be a Rambo uh, without having some sort of a moral uh, compass, which puts you a little bit to to the
2: left. Boy, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I get to what you're saying. You know, with, with uh, you know the, the, the push towards more nonviolence and stuff like that. Uh, but these guys, these 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 men that go with men and women that go into our forces and go into special forces training and all that kind of stuff, they have to be what they have to be. I mean, they have to be very good at what they do. Even today, they have to okay. be able to, you know, use all types of firearms. They have to understand tactics and skills. They have to understand mental uh, tenacity, and they have to be able to kill. I mean, they still do today, and they're and they're the ones that get still get the jobs done. So there's no, you can't, you can't. I mean, you can you can take that culture and all that, and and you can you can try to control them a little bit, but when it comes to actual wartime, now nah, you're you're right down to the
1: way it's always been. But if, you look at, but if you look at the uh, uh, bestseller list mm-hmm. uh, of the Saint in New York Times and any place else, you know, these heroes are not there. I mean, your book is a popular seller, but in comparison to some of these other books that talk about flawed people, uh, if you look, I, I happened to look at it Sunday, and of the uh, top 20 books, in the New York Times bestseller list, um, fourteen of them have flawed characters mm-hmm. yet, yet if the, your character is not a flawed character, it's someone who gets the job done. right. you might not like the way he did it, like with President Trump, but he got the job done. But the same thing with your with your characters. Well, when i I'm trying to remember which of the books I read, when I did, I came away from the fact that this is a guy that I'd like to have dinner with okay. but, if you, but if you read uh, but if you read these the uh, bestsellers, you wouldn't want to invite him to dinner
2: <laughs> Yeah I mean I guess you know as a writer you got to decide whether you want to write about a character like that or not. I do try to put uh, in my characters a choice that they have to make or that they do have uh, something that holds them back in a way like in my first three books uh, the last enemy series my, my main character is uh, a man named Commander Jacob Edwards and he actually was mentored by the character that I wrote about here Tommy Tommy Williams Tommy Williams was his mentor is the one that taught him and took him under his wing and, and taught him how to be a special forces guy but uh my ma- Jacob had a flaw in his personality because he had a trauma early on in his career where he, uh, he had to deal with having a little girl die in his arms when he was on patrol as a Coast Guard officer uh, down off the coast of Central America. And it really affected him, and he uh, became very, very— uh, angry with anybody that would do harm to children or anything like that to the point that he would get extremely violent. And that's why he uh, became the hero that he became, because he killed this guy who was uh, raping this girl. And he publicly executed him on a cruise ship out in the Caribbean. And he had to to quit the Coast Guard because of that. And he had to go home and and work for his father. And uh, so that was a, a flaw that I put in the personality because... You know, I was... Uh, just what you're saying, you gotta find some some way to put uh, a kind of flaw in, in your character so people can have a little easier time identifying with them. And But there's only so far I'll go with that.
1: Why, uh, why did you start writing?
2: Why did I start writing? I've, I've, I have a degree in journalism. Um, my father was an English professor and um, I have just loved books and writing my whole life. Um, haven't got to do it as much as i wanted to i started five years ago uh you know i've been uh i own a uh, auto detailing body shop and uh dealership in manheim pennsylvania and has taken up a lot of my time for the last 20 years 20 so years and i just returned to it like in 2017 i just got this idea about uh this book that i've been thinking about and i just started writing it and uh you know, it's it's really a passion of mine. I really enjoy it. I love it. I love. I, I've always been able to think up scenarios and stories, and um, I'm very good at figuring out plots with movies and books and stuff like that. I just I just got that kind of head, you know. And I love it, and I love being in it, and I'll probably write for the rest of my life. <laughs>
1: well, every would-be good writer will ask you the same question: How did you get your first book published?
2: Well, I'm I'm a self-published author, oh. um, and there's millions of us, you know. <laughs> Around the world, there's 3 million books a year being um, published right now. And a lot of ways, I feel like I'm a minnow in a big ocean and I'm just barely getting noticed. And, uh, you know, it's you, you look for opportunities to get noticed by, uh, you know, publishing companies and, and agents and stuff like that. And anymore, you have to have a good social media presence, you got to have a certain amount of uh, book ratings on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and other places so yeah I'm still I'm, I'm, I'm still in the even though I've been done for five years I'm still in the very beginning stages and still looking forward to you know getting more I mean I'm, I've won some awards I won I even won a, a historical fiction award I won award for uh, romance and women's fiction I've won bronze medals and silver medals and stuff and and it's it's it, it's a slow process but if you do it because you want to make money or you want, to, you want to be extremely popular, you're going to be swimming a long time. But if you do it because you love doing it, then that kind of carries you through. And I just love it, you know. Mm. I'm, I'm, I have seven books out. I'm working on my eighth right now. And I got about four or five on my head that I want to do after that.
1: Keep, Keep at it. At it. One, the IQ, I've been Please. In only one movie and you'll make it.
2: I'm sorry, could you repeat that question? Thank you.
3: No, it's not a question. I said all you need is one movie they make of one of your characters, the movie,
2: and you. That would it. be awesome. I think that's any writer's that, dream. That that break
3: <laughs> the <laughs> ceiling completely. Yep.
2: Yeah, that's that 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 would be awesome. I mean, you know, and and we I, I do have a publicist that I work with, and 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 other people, and they do pitch to um, you know netflix and you know different different uh forms like that and so man we're you know we're out we're out there fishing in that category too yeah and don
3: by the way the fact that top gun the fact that top gun broke the ceiling in income Mm -hmm. proves the point that he was talking about dan people love action yeah and they love people who win yeah they don't love people who lose Rambo, mm-hmm. the trilogy or whatever it was, number made hundreds of millions of dollars for exactly the same reason. Mm-hmm. What you have are the spineless leftists who don't like it. That's a different story.
1: <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, they control the media. That but I, I did, just happened to not, look it. at the New York Times list. Did you look yeah. at it on Sunday? Take a look oh, at I, it.
2: I try. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, something I'm actually, you know, I'm always constantly looking at uh, who's number one, and what books are really selling. And, you know, there's there's a whole marketing into this thing that is uh, I find daunting at times um, because I'm not a mark. I mean, I am a businessman. I understand business. I understand investing and stuff like that. You know, but uh, the whole marketing is something else. Yes. So yeah, I, I understand. You know, you look at their book covers, you look at your own book covers, you look at the way they word their their explanations of their of their books on Amazon. You see what catches and what doesn't. You know, there's there's a there's a whole big deal there of uh, getting better at it.
0: So so Dan, uh, what what are some of your goals for this book?
2: Well, my biggest goal, honestly, Honestly, is just to I I wrote so much um, with that Tommy was in Um, out of out of out of the seven books I have published. He's in six of them, and that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and so I just really wanted to show his backstory um, because he's such an important character, and I think he's just he's he's a uh, he's a mentor. He's a leader. um, He's really a fantastic individual. You know, his dad was a uh, he was an African-American um, ambassador to Japan, very important person. And his son was just right there going in that direction. And all of a sudden, he takes a, just takes a total drastic change into another direction, but still becomes a very fantastic person in his own right in that direction. And uh, so I just really wanted to show his backstory. That was the big goal of that book. And sure, I, I love how people have connected with it. I, you know, I love the action and venture of it. And you know, I also like showing and you know, I know it's not the, the the most popular, especially the farther east you get in the world, but I love showing strong women taking the lead. And that's what I think what I showed with a McKenna and Captain Eloy even over in Africa there. And I just I just got got a kick out of that.
1: Well, why did you make your hero African American?
2: Because um, he was that in my books. I mean in in, in the um, in the last enemy series. That's that's, just, that's the way it played out in, in the last enemy series. So it wasn't really like I chose, oh, I gotta have an African-American. I, <laughs> I didn't do that. But Tommy was, you know, that, that that's what, that was his heritage was. And so in order to make the living legend really real, I had to really dig into that culture and really, you know, explore the, from the inside out and make it live so that, you know, he gets the kind of credit he should get.
1: How much of you is in his character?
2: Boy, well, I, I, somebody asked me that a, a while back. Um, I just think that these these special forces guys are some of the most awesome people in the world. Honestly, I, the training that they go through and the things that they do and, and the discipline that they had—really, the book is, a, a, you know, an applause to them. Um, and you know, how much of me is in them. I've had a a guy work for me years ago that was a seal, and you know, my dad was a a bronze star winner in World War II, and he also got two Purple Hearts. My stepdad was a Marine Corps Sergeant Major who was in World War II, Korea, and Nam. My son is a uh, Lieutenant in the Coast Guard went to Kings Point um, Merchant Marine Academy, and then uh, commissioned into the Coast Guard. So, you know, I just, it's really like me saying, hey, you guys are fantastic. And some of these guys that like go into the military and then go into law enforcement and continue to serve, I, they just blow my mind. Just the dedication and the the, the ideals that they have. So really that that's what, that, that's what I put into Tommy's character. Um, you know, and when they asked me that before, I said, "Well, uh, Captain Fargo in uh, the book—he's the 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 SEAL team commander at the at the Little Creek Base, where Tommy went and got trained as a SEAL. I guess you kind of put me in there a little bit because he runs that base kind of like I run my business, <laughs> and he's a, hes really hard-nosed and kind of gruff sometimes, but he's got a heart. So if if, if, if there's anybody that I, I've modeled after my own personality, it would have been him."
3: And
2: question. Can
3: anybody read any of the books without having to read all of them?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, I have really worked very hard to make sure that even though my books are part of a series, uh, that they're standalone. Um, the only book that I think you might have a little trouble reading if you don't read at least one of the two is the third book in the last enemy series called The Last Enemy, which come, you know kind of climaxes that whole story. But uh, you know, all my books are on Amazon, and they're on Barnes and Noble, and they're also on my website, com. That's Dan E. com. You can read about all my books there. But I really do try to make them a standalone. And I have people um, like so many different forums that have that have done uh, reviews, uh, editorial reviews and stuff. They they do attest to that fact that a lot of my books are standalone book quality that you can read them and you don't have to have the other ones. And that's another reason I'm, I'm I'm enjoying doing these prequels lately. I've done three so far, and uh, it's nice because you don't have to read the first series to get into a prequel because the prequel happened before that. So you know you can yes, just get right yeah. into the prequel.
3: Could you send me a link to what Dan has?
0: Yes, James. I will. I will shoot you over his uh, his link to that's you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So IQ. Uh, so so Dan, uh your your books are incredible. Um what has been some of the feedback that you've gotten and criticism or or anything of this nature?
2: Well, um see I, I went to uh, I went to school back in the early nineteen eighties and I, I I received a degree in journalism and my, uh, my journalism instructor taught us to write in the third person present tense when we wrote newspaper articles. And the, the um, strategy behind that is third person, you can give everybody's point of view, okay? You can just give multiple points of view and present tense, you keep people right there in the action. So I always thought even when I was learning that, that man, that'd be a great way to write a book. And really, you know, if you, if you read most books, they're in um, simple past tense and they're they're first person. You know, they're they're telling it from some one person's point of view, like the main protagonist's point of view or stuff like that. And so my books are a little different. When I first started writing, I did raise some eyebrows with that. You know, people in, in uh, different forms would would uh, say, you know, Dan's taking the, uh, the the path less traveled with his third person present tense types writing, and. But what I've found is that I've gotten a lot more compliments over it because the present tense really helps people stay engaged with the action. Like it's, it's, right, it's like watching a movie, you know, it keeps you right there in, in, in the action. It's not like you're reading something that happened, you know, a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago, so even if it did, it's the present tense lets you, wow, okay, let's keep moving on. And it's, it's, I think it's a wonderful uh, way to express a story It's keeping people right there, right as you write with the action
0: that's fantastic well uh well dan thanks for doing this my friend you have been uh just amazing thanks for coming on and chatting with me and don and iq and uh just thanks for coming on my friend
2: well thank you for having me and it's certainly a privilege to be with you guys um iq and don and wow you know (laughs) this is my first um (laughs) interview that i've done with uh, video so i hope i did okay well you
0: did excellent
2: you did <laughs> okay. excellent well. your,
0: your, your lighting is great you knew what the hell you were doing you were centered everything okay. that there has been times that i've literally had people on this show and i've either had don mazella or dan perkins help people adjust their video before we okay. do the interview so you didn't ha- so don didn't have to help you today so you were
2: excellent <laughs>
0: oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate. That. Well, yeah, thank I you, look, my friend. I look forward to talking oh, to
2: you. All, nice to meet all you, James. Come on sometime again. Yes,
0: we will definitely have you back, my friend. And uh, have yourself a blessed day. Thank you for being right, with you us, too, sir. Appreciate it. Bye. There you go. Fantastic, Dan Hendrickson, with us. So, uh, so Don, uh, what 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 did you think of uh, of our guests there? Well,
1: I, I want to talk to him off uh, off camera could probably learn a few thing or two about uh, uh, writing and promoting a book,
0: yeah well he is he is something else um something that I wanted to get into and and we've we've got time uh I was reading on i think it was the Drudge report today that if dr. Oz wins his um once his race, that uh, he will he will become the. Let me see here. He will become the first Muslim <laughs> to be in, uh, the to be in the Senate, and what is interesting about this is that Dr. Oz is a Republican conservative, and he ain't bringing this up. And his opponent, who is a progressive and is looking like he probably will win this, doesn't want to bring this up either. Because there is a gigantic uh, Muslim population there (laughs) that might potentially vote
1: because Dr. Oz is Muslim. Let me interrupt you. Yes. That race go. is a lot closer than the, 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 the media is telling you. I can tell you categorically that it's much closer. Uh, and if I was a betting man, I wouldn't uh, uh, rule Oz uh, not uh, winning. What's happening right now, uh, if you read the uh, August New York Times, uh, they're saying now the Democrats got the, the momentum and they're going to win. They're going to um, uh, keep the House and keep the Senate. It just—it just came across, and it's going to be the, the uh, one of the leads tomorrow. And by the way, did you see that the judge said they have to uh, the, release the uh, uh, affidavit? Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Oh, really? Yet. Yes. You know uh, the Trump affidavit. But anyway, let's go back a minute. You're absolutely right again, the polls cannot, are not working because people are not telling the the pollsters yes. and I can make um, I have a friend that's been a pollster for over 30 years and she said I can make a poll say anything I wanted to and that's what's happening, it happened here in New Jersey, which said that Murphy was going to win by 14 points and if, he, if they hadn't had uh, not uh, done a massive fraud in Jersey City. He would have lost, but but, he, but what he did, it kept people home here in New Jersey, and that's the Democratic plan. Is to say, oh, this guy is so far ahead, but I can tell you categorically, in Pennsylvania, he is not that ahead because he's an old white man who can't campaign because he's sick. Okay.
0: Well, there is that. Uh,
1: Let's talk about the governorship in Pennsylvania for just one minute. Again, here it is saying this guy is, is, is not going to win. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I blank on his name. The Republican candidate, Dr. The, the, I'm sorry,
0: Dr. Oys. No, I think I think he's talking about the 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 governor's race, not the the governor's race.
1: Ah. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is. Um, If you do a poll And a person doesn't answer the phone You hang up on him or her But the point is Most conservatives today will not uh, Answer the polls Because uh, What the polls then do uh, Happened to me today is uh, Well um, Once they find out you're a Republican Or a conservative They really uh, blank out On you I uh, really uh, go to town. They are afraid of being identified as a conservative because you know that things are happening. So
0: strange. I, I, just this whole political world over the last several years. It's, uh, and, 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 you know, uh, and it's on both sides. It's so, so strange. If you read,
1: but if you read the decline of the Roman Empire, bread and circus. What did pre- President Biden just do? He gave... Everybody, $20,000, supposedly. Okay? He did it illegally, if you think about it. And by the way, there was a tremendous article in the Wall Street Journal on Tuesday by two um, uh, constitutional scholars that said that what the FBI did uh, at the search of Trump was totally illegal on their two acts of uh, Congress— that were passed in '79 and '84 uh, uh, about presidential papers, but anyway, the point is, uh, Biden today did something that's totally illegal. He has no basis for doing it. Um, yet we're letting him get away with it. The, you, he cannot cite a single legal justification for it. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking. Um, Myself, I'm talking what the Wall Street Journal and several other people are saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's still the best news in this paper in America. Uh, anyway, I'm, 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 I'm blathering a little bit because I, I, I'm so angry uh, uh, about well, what's been happening and what it is doing. And now they're saying, oh, the, the Democrats now have um, momentum. And you know what the New York Times headline is? President Biden's leading the Democrats to victory.
0: <laughs> That's the headline. Is oh, President Biden could lead anybody. Uh, IQ.
3: <laughs> James, don't laugh. James, don't laugh. Because I have no doubt how stupid the Americans are. I'm talking about the, 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 the voting Americans. Even today, the, he has a, a level of 40% approval. Even today, at 40%. By the way, uh, Dan, don't be only angry because of the ten thousand dollars. He is signing the rapport the agreement with the Ayatollahs, which oh. will end World War Three. Yes. It will start World War Three. I'm telling you. Yes. Yeah.
1: I will. Well, I want to get that far. IQ. Well, we got that. That's down the road, but you know that's going to happen. It's going to happen in October, so they can have a victory lap.
3: No problem. No problem. He is the most destructive president in the history of the republic, and he's getting away with it. As you said, everything he's done is illegal, but Clinton did the same thing, Hillary, and she got away with it. Biden is getting away with it. His son is getting away with it. And all the members of the Democrat Party have been getting away with it. So, why are you complaining?
1: I it, It's a sad situation. It's getting worse. I'm sorry. Um, it just, it just it's just a not, very not, bad situation. It's not, it's not sad, only.
3: It's really scary. It's absolutely scary. You have no law. You have no justice. You have no order. You
0: have nothing.
1: Hmm. It's well, even scarier than you IQ. I know. That's saying something, by the way.
0: Something else I want to get everybody's thoughts on, and 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 this will affect Don because he he came from the world of newspapers. Um, apparently, this is just insane to me. That, that, this this, you know, when I when I hear stories like this, I'm like. Maybe that whole taking up arms and starting to revolution ain't that bad of an idea. <laughs> I've been telling you for years. <laughs> Maybe it's just not that bad I'm of an idea. I've been telling you for years. That's the only solution. You don't believe me. Well, in New Hampshire, as I always like to call it, um, the AG has arrested a small-town newspaper publisher. Uh, This is so strange. New Hampshire's Attorney General announced on Thursday that the state had arrested the publisher of a local weekly newspaper in Londonderry, alleging she illegally published political ads without properly disclosing them to be ads. Uh, the publisher, who is sixty-two years old, was arrested Wednesday, according to state attorney general, who was charged with six violations of the state's misdemeanor laws on political advertisements. Um her and her husband run the Newfield Publishing, which publishes the Times and the Newfield News and Tri-Town Times. Uh, They wrote in two different issues uh, spanning February and March that they printed ads for various school board candidates or budget proposals that did not include a, quote-unquote, paid-for label at either the beginning or end of the ads as required by state law. The ads also did not include the names of addresses of the people who financed the advertisements, also required by law. Wow. (laughs) What do you think about this, Doc?
1: So, what else? You know? <laughs> my question is: uh, Were they pro-conservative or liberal? See, this so is my, the
0: thing. It doesn't say.
1: <laughs> I'll be willing to bet dollars to donuts that they're probably for. Uh, candidates who were conservative rather than liberal because if they were liberal he wouldn't even
0: bother with it well okay? I, I I think uh, as as I read here in the story it says that the office uh, the AG's office sent this sent these people uh, apparently they have been warned multiple times about the issue since 2019 with a quote- unquote final warning letter being issued last September over the ads proper labeling uh, the two pleaded with the attorney general's office by email in May, arguing political advertisements were not my area of expertise. <laughs> the small town publisher could face up to a year in county jail and a two thousand dollar fine per violation if she is convicted. Um,
1: well, if, if the AT <laughs> said that they sent the letter, I mean there are there are certain requirements in political. Yes. So, yes. So I mean. It, um, I I don't think it's as egregious as it as it could be. If 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 you're warned about it, you you learn what the law is and you make the changes. Yeah, okay? that's it. I mean,
0: <laughs> uh, that's all you gotta do.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I can't get excited about it. The, has it happened before? Well, there, there's an easy way to, to control any uh, newspaper in the today's world. Threaten to t- take away. Their uh, uh, official advertising. Yes. Because that's the difference between profit and loss. In 97 percent of all um, non-metropolitan area newspapers, it's the uh, the uh, the public announcements are, are what makes the money. It's as simple as that. In New Jersey, they have they they put a law, they were going to put a law in effect. The towns could publish their official documents online. And there was such an um, outcry that they stopped it because they realized if that happened, every newspaper in New Jersey would go out of business. So, no. Wow. Okay? And if you go to Delaware, if you go to any of these states, Texas is different because uh, Texas, the way they— Um, uh, have a a way of subsidizing it uh, by saying, allocating the cost. I love the way they do it. They're saying um, there is a viable need for uh, newspapers in Texas, you know, but uh, they're dying. There's no question about it. Newspapers are dying. Um, You know, uh, I think every morning I wake up and I say, is our daily newspaper going to arrive or not? Because what does it re- rely on? <laughs> Immigrants uh, in cars to throw that newspaper. Do you know any kid that delivers newspapers today? No, no. Well, uh, you know it's. Uh,
0: I I interviewed Greg Pallast earlier today, and he was telling he was he's he was uh, telling me that when he was investigating. Uh, a story, and I think it was in New Jersey somewhere. Um, he was uh, in investigating the uh, the fact that there's all these illegals supposedly, and they're doing all these jobs and all these things. And someone uh, he didn't he didn't want to name who it was, but he said somebody in the in the government there in New Jersey said if we rounded up. All of the illegals that were here doing jobs all over the country and sent them all back, our economy would crash because rich people and politicians don't want to mow their yards or any of no. the things.
1: Oh, no, no, it's true. Oh. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, if you don't speak Spanish, you can't get anything done. Um, you know, I went to a, we went to a Walmart store yes. um, a couple of years ago. And we could not find a single um, clerk who spoke English. Uh, and we'll, uh, anyway, yeah. um, what can I say?
0: So, but, so uh, IQ. What, 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 what do you think about all this? Just sitting and sitting and listening to me and Don here, kind of rattle away. Questions.
3: My blood boils as usual. My blood is boiling. That's all. You know, to see a great nation self destructive. On a daily basis, it's yes. phenomenal. Absolutely
0: phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Well, uh, I am. I am working on a very interesting guest for next week. Um, awesome. This is. <laughs> this is a story that was. I was. I was given. Uh, I actually interviewed her yeah wow, that would be her proper pronoun um i I interviewed her um over the weekend for another project not not for what we are gonna have her on uh potentially next week for and uh her name is Kelly Pierce, and this is the strangest you know i q always talks about how Social media. We need to figure. You know, why can't there be a you know somebody that's got some money, you know, come along and you know do something about all this? Well, apparently, um, Facebook. This 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 is such a strange deal. It all it always starts with Facebook. Uh, it always starts with Facebook. It always ends with Facebook. But uh, basically what happened is there is a lawsuit now that a bunch of porn stars are suing OnlyFans after being added to a terror watch list. Apparently, OnlyFans somehow got to um, somebody at Meta, which is the Facebook parent company. And manipulated the data of OnlyFans performers who are promoting their adult work on social media sites like Instagram, and supposedly uh, they incorrectly placed a whole bunch of people on the global internet forum counterterrorism terrorist watch list <laughs> because OnlyFans is mad as hell. <laughs> They're sending all this traffic. <laughs>
1: Oh, you say are you saying only
0: only fans is a like it's like a patreon or one of these one of these subscription services that you know like like if you were to open an only fans account don people could come over and they could pay you know 5 10 bucks a month and then you could have exclusive content over there that people would pay okay. for. and i guess what happened is this this only fans uh somehow got to the people at Meta, who own Facebook and Instagram, bribed them somehow. They got all this information, and they added all these people to terrorist watch lists. <laughs> just amazing so we will talk to Kelly potentially next week so, about so all
1: you're going to have her on the show
0: we will have her on next week and okay. she will talk about all this that will be, be good, be really good. <laughs> it'll be a good change of pace yes. uh, <laughs> well, think of it this way
1: this, a private company bans the President of the United States.
0: See, this is the thing once I again. Mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you, you've
1: said, think about that, you know? I mean, it true. It, uh, they could
0: have they found, found a way to add him to a terrorist watch list. They would
1: have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's only a matter of time. I'm sure it's only a matter of no, time. No, it's a matter of time. They're going to, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, 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 truly amazing, you
0: know? Um, well, as, as we wrap up here, let's start with IQ Rizzoli. IQ, give me your thoughts on, on the show today and where we find you in your books.
3: Well, the show, as usual, is fantastic. We had a very good interview with the gentleman, Dan. Uh, Please send me the links about his uh, books. Yes, and everything.
0: I'm going to do that as soon as we get done here. And, uh, me
3: too. Al Rasuli, just Google Al Rasuli, and enjoy your stories about Islam. That's
0: all. <laughs> so, Don, as we wrap up here, how do we get your books and radio mm-hmm. shows and everything else?
1: Uh, I have a little uh, blurb about my upcoming book on domazella.com, on uh, 2sbdigest.com, hashtag, two, hashtag 2sbdigest, and of course, the National Robotics Education Foundation, the hyphen nref.org. That, that, that's what's going to be our legacy. Anyway,
0: well, that's uh- it. I will talk to you guys next week. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Thank you, you guys. Take. There they go. That's IQ Rizzoli. That is the great Don Mazzella. That Don Mazzella. Yes, indeed. And uh, that is that. So.